Welcome to another episode of Thriving Through Menopause. I'm your host, Clarissa Christensen. To my regular listeners, welcome. To those of you who are new to the show, I'm really happy to see you here. Today, we're going to be talking about hormones, eating, digestion, emotions. And I was just checking out an amazing quote from Dr. Lisa Moscone that your ovaries talk to your brain and your brain talks to your ovaries. And I think that was very apt for a lot of the conversation we're going to have today with my guest, Andrea Carpio. She is a certified transformational nutrition coach. She's the founder of CEO and CEO of Wellness Method. And she's also an expert in hormones, digestive health, and emotional eating. Welcome to the show, Andrea. Thank you so much, Clarissa, for that really nice introduction and, of course, for having me on your Thriving Through Menopause podcast. I'm really delighted and I'm so delighted to meet also all the listeners here. Thank you. That's wonderful. Andrea, how did you become uh, an expert in this area of nutrition and emotional eating? That's a good question, and I love uh, that because I, it allows me to share a little bit my story as well. I actually became a nutrition coach through my own health story. I was in a completely different field before. Probably it started all off 10, 10 years ago or somewhere around that, where I had a lot of health issues. I've not been living the best lifestyle, never realized, thought always I was healthy, actually. But I realized that things started to go worse and to get worse. And that was that I had some digestive issues, a little bit of bloating all the time. I had headaches, which eventually developed to a migraine headache, a weekly migraine headache. I had put on a little bit of weight and I had a lot of hormonal issues. Now, I had for several years, even before that, fibroids several times removed and often heard by the doctors or the gynecologists, you should do a hyperectomy. Uh, hysterectomy, sorry, <laughs> hysterectomy. And <laughs> I was always uh, saying, no, why should I do a hysterectomy? I have the fibroids removed and that's it. And I had that three times actually done. And I had also a couple of other issues uh, like very low energy, moodiness, being always tired and so on. And I came across a way of really healthy eating at the time. It was a really healthy detox and I changed my way of eating. And suddenly, literally everything improved. Like it was like a, like a complete change of my direction, of my health direction. Suddenly I had energy. I felt good. My headaches, my migraine headaches changed from weekly to maybe having three or four times a year only migraines. I lost weight. I felt so much better. No digestive issues. And I never had any issues with fibroids thereafter because they were before they were always regrowing and they never regrow. So I realized at that time that actually the food and of course the lifestyle as well is really responsible for my health issues. And when I changed that, everything improved. And at that stage, I don't know, like sometimes in life it is you have those signs. I read something on a Facebook post, one of those ads, and I probably have Googled something around that. And it showed a nutrition school. Now, I'm somebody I do always very thorough research when I'm interested because at that stage I said, I want to help other people achieve the same as I did. 
And so I did my research. I searched 60 different nutrition schools and I decided for one where eventually I became a certified transformational nutrition coach and then later master certified transformational nutrition coach with all the specializations. Some of them you mentioned already. I have about eight specializations that help me to help my clients actually to go much deeper than just giving them the advice of eating more apples or whatever it is. Yeah, and I think that is a great story. A great story, and you're not the first person I've heard who's had these fibroid issues. And nutrition has been the key to turning that around. Earlier, some of the listeners may know I had uh, Jennifer Harrington, and she shrunk her fibroid by half through her diet alone. And instead of having a hysterectomy, she just had a small fibroid removed. Yeah. Exactly. And for me, probably the next step would eventually have been a hysterectomy and avoided that as well. I at least each time that the fibroids grew, regrew, but eventually not. And I'm perfectly fine. And also, obviously, your podcast being more about menopause, it's also I went through menopause with almost no issues, whereas friends of mine, similar age group, of course, had all the hot flashes or whatever kind of issues. And I I Really, I've had almost nothing and still feel very good about myself, including good libido, etc. all these kind of things. And I had no weight changes either. No. And diet really is one of the, and nutrition, I say, is so identified as a co-regulatory factor in menopause. And it's still surprising that women are not following all of those kind of recommendations because they're out there and yet they seem really hard. In your experience, what are some of the blocks that are there for taking up that nutrition and changing our behavior to support our menopause? Yeah, that is uh, right on, I think, my alley. Working, having worked with starting, when I started off, I worked with not everybody and anybody, pretty general. And I realized that most people who come and um, contact me and need help are people who want to lose weight, who struggle with emotional eating, and who have some form of chronic condition related to that, right? Diabetes, heart conditions, hormonal issues, thyroid, whatever they are. Now, when I realized that, I really wanted to go de deeper, and that's when I specialized in weight loss and emotional eating, because I found out that most of my clients are clever, right? They know what they should be eating, right? They know they should eat more vegetable or the apple, whatever it is, yet they find themselves in the evening coming home after a stressful day, heading directly for the cupboard and the cookie jar or whatever it is. And especially when they're going through any stress or emotions or whatever it is, they eat emotionally or stress-related eating or whatever it is. And that is really something where I focus on seeing a little bit the bigger picture here and going much deeper and allowing my clients to go deeper as well in finding out what is it really um, that is the root cause of their emotional eating or of their weight issues or of their chronic conditions, whatever it is. So I'm always liking to deep yes. dive into that, the root cause. Yeah. yeah, and I think root causes then really allow there to be different solutions than just just diet. And I think one of the things that I love, we talked about stress, 
and you ask, what are you really looking for? Tell me more about that approach and that way of thinking. Absolutely. So what I always ask my clients is actually, what are you really hungry for? Because it's never the food, right? Mm -hmm. And by finding out what you are really hungry for is the first step actually to overcome this. Because when you know eventually what what is going on what your real hunger is is it uh, maybe like you said some stress that you are struggling with is it boredom is it some unfulfilled purpose in your life maybe the kids have gone out of the house and this missing purpose is gone or maybe you lost your job or whatever it is it might be trauma from your childhood even that has never been resolved and something we picked up and usually it's a limiting belief in our childhood that maybe made that we think we're not worthy we're not lovable or whatever it is and out of that we are looking to fulfill that purpose with food but of course the food is never the answer and that is really what i try and help people to to achieve mm-hmm. and i think that is that's so true, and I think that's often quite difficult to articulate, isn't it, for people? So food becomes the kind of default. So you crave and you eat sweet things, or maybe you're a savoury eater, in order to meet a different a need that you can't express. Very good, yeah. By often just acknowledging that there is something there, it's helpful, I find. And and that's something maybe I want to share because we are taught that we should always push away whatever is bad or what's not right or any kind of bad feelings or whatever. So in our society, we always say push it away. and But what you resist persists. We, we all know oh, that yeah. word, yeah. right? Or that uh, proverb. Now, When you start maybe changing that and actually start acknowledging, yes, I have, there is a hunger, there is something that's missing in my life and starting to embrace it actually and see how this might have served you in the past, might even still serve you in certain areas of your life today, but it usually doesn't serve you in those areas where you then go to food. And by the way, when we speak about food, it could also be alcohol, drugs, or whatever it is. It's at that stage at a very similar level, which is basically a replacement for something that's now alive, that is missing now. Yes, and and that is very common, isn't it, as well, that we get these cravings coming up when our hormonal status, as I said earlier, is impacting not just your ovaries, but it is impacting your brain and the mood centers of your brain so that it becomes i think heightened at menopause am i right around that yeah well i think you're absolutely right that's what i see it's equally i think with or when hormones change when we go through hormone changes it is always affected and hormones of course they are affecting each other and we have so many different hormones as well we don't have only you know our sexual hormones, but we have, for example, our hunger and satiety hormones, ghrelin and leptin, respectively. Now, when there is one change in one hormone or the hormones are imbalanced or so, it has a tendency to affect the others. You can really see chains all linked together, which, by the way, the hormones are linked to other organs, to other areas, the neurotransmitters, the liver, 
the digestive system and so on. That's why I really like, you know, putting everything together because when one is out of sync, it has a tendency to affect the other. And in such an important period as going through perimenopause or menopause is that often we end up having then changes and that can affect our hunger. And then we eat maybe a little bit more and are less quickly satiated or it might affect then also our sleep hormone, melatonin, or maybe cholesterol or whatever. Whatever it is. So they're all kind of working together. Yeah, that's the thing, isn't it? We're not just our sex organs, we are a very complex interrelated system. And so it's lots of moving parts when certain hormones are going up and down and they're all over the place, then it's definitely our whole system that is impacted. Very Why do you think, Andrea? There's, there is so much emotional eating at in, in the menopausal years. I must say, I don't think there's only in the menopause. It's also can be before. So I just want to say that it's not a thing only to menopausal. I do think people struggle with emotional eating probably a little bit more in menopause because often we find ourselves in more of a change because it's usually the new new chapter of your life or whatever it is right the hormone changes of course are more important it's often also a time where there can be metabolism changes and it is also a little bit age related just that we are at an age where it's not as forgiving anymore as maybe in our 20s, 30s. So I must say some people go through earlier menopause. So I'm generalizing a little bit. So I do know that. But usually menopause is more, let's say, around your 50s with exceptions and unfortunately more and more exceptions. Mm -hmm. That's probably another conversation here. But in that is also that our health has taken a toll, right? Because we've added year after year, maybe unhealthy habits, unhealthy eating, maybe added one or the other chronic uh, condition to it. And it becomes just that our body is not anymore as forgiving. And that's obviously a little bit more difficult. Now, as I mentioned earlier, emotional eating can have several root causes. Yes, there is, of course, the emotional root cause can be trauma, which can be stress, which can be a missing purpose, but also uh, emotional eating can have other root causes, hormones we've just discussed, but also, for example, digestive, right, inflammation or things like that. So we also need to look a little bit into having the balance on other areas of our lives and our body and the systems in our body to support our hormonal system the best we can. Yes, yes, I understand that. So when you're working with women, how do you begin to help them to implement new habits? Because part of breaking your emotional eating is learning to eat, is the root cause, but also learning to do something different with respect to the way that you eat. Yeah, you actually have already talked a little bit about one of my steps. So the fourth step, actually, of my food freedom formula, and that's all about habits. Because when I see people uh, coming to see me, they are 
usually saying, look, almost people have tried diet after diet, gone through the yo-yo dieting, tried all kinds of approaches, and they usually tell me, look, I don't have any willpower. A lot of people, they procrastinate after some time, there's some fear, there's self-sabotage, whatever the reasons are, but they basically are not sticking to whatever approach they have chosen at the time. And I always say that you have a bag of willpower, of coins of willpower, and you take them out and eventually it's gone, right? So you need to rely actually on something else. And for me, that's what habits uh, is all about, what habits are all about. And I break it down. I ask you, the listeners, I ask you, you probably all brush your teeth in the morning and in the evening. But do you think about it? No. We learned brushing teeth in our childhood somewhere. Probably our parents told us several times, you have to brush your teeth, you have to brush your teeth, and so on. And eventually, it becomes second nature. We don't think about it. It's a habit we just do. We know it's important for our dental health and all that. So we just do that. And the same, I like to approach it with habits around lifestyle and eating. So for example, and I like really a book that's called Tiny Habits that really goes into starting very small. So instead of saying, for example, I um, want to eat only healthy uh, vegetables, maybe just start with one meal adding one serving of vegetables to it. Or if you don't drink enough water, just add, you know, one more glass of water each time to go to the bathroom and just drink that glass of water when you go to the bathroom. So the trigger of going to the bathroom is actually helping to start your water habit. The same if you want to start some exercises or whatever it is. And then a very good idea and trick that I learned in that book, by the way, is to celebrate after. So like just say, yes, I've done it or whatever, because our brain craves uh, rewards, right? It's a really good dopamine kick. And when it gets that dopamine kick, it will actually crave the action that leads to that reward. And that's how we actually do or learn more habits that are easy to keep the same way you brush your teeth yeah i love that i love that because that's taking a lot of those nlp principles isn't it for the this is that's neuro-linguistic programming that uses triggers as a way to get you to change behavior and as you said they can be really small embedding that habit so that you say ah oh, I feel good, I've celebrated after something small, like you said, drinking a glass of water. So then you may, I suppose, Andrew, say, oh, perhaps drink two glasses of water. Maybe the reward is better than to drink <laughs> But that's exactly, I think, what we do, is that we, we do, we're training our brain. If you're a business owner, you know these sounds mean sales. And from the sound of it, your business is growing. Whether you're fulfilling orders from your home office or warehouse, Stamps.com helps you stress less about mailing and shipping and spend more time doing what you love most. Listening to ASMR. <clears throat> I mean, growing your business. But as you grow, so does the need for efficiency. Stamps.com simplifies your shipping and mailing process. Import orders from wherever you sell online. Find the lowest rates with the fastest delivery times. Instantly deliver tracking updates to your customers. And buy shipping and mailing supplies when you run low. Save time and money on mailing and shipping. Get started at Stamps.com today with code PROGRAM for a four-week trial, free postage, and a digital scale. 
friends. I love that. Mm. But say a bit more about your other parts of your food freedom uh, approach, because that's one. What are some of the other steps within that? Great question. So there are five steps. I call them the five R steps. They all start with an R. The first one we talked already a little bit earlier is to recognize the root cause. So get really clear about what is going on. The I find the modern health system is so much just using a band-aid for anything people have, no matter if it's weight issues, hormonal issues, or anything else. Like Hormone replacement therapy is not always the answer or whatever it is, it can help, but there are often other ways uh, that you can look into finding out the root cause of those issues and then uh, obviously later on address. The second step is to reset your body's healing abilities. Now, often the body is actually not able to heal. I'll give you maybe one or two samples. One is when we eat unhealthy over years and years, right? Additionally, breathing pesticides or having pesticides in foods we are eating, maybe taking some prescription drugs or whatever it is, eventually our liver gets too much of all that and it cannot filter through it anymore. You can imagine it a little bit like a system in your house, like the pipes in your house. If we throw garbage into uh, the drain, eventually the system, the pipes will be blocked. You can imagine the liver in a similar way, just not being able to filter through. Now, when the liver is stuck, it actually can not get rid of all those things and fat actually builds up. Liver is very linked to the fat cells and also, by the way, inflammation. When our inflammation is high in our body, it also puts on the body, puts on fat to protect itself from danger. It's a very uh, normal way, way to do for the human beings, nothing we can do. So these are things often that we need actually, we need to get the system unstuck. So it's very good to do something like maybe a detox and I do a very healthy detox with my clients. No, no harsh detox, not going to help with this, but really something to nourish the system and allow to free flow and to reset basically. Once that is, we can actually then repair those root causes, which is my third step and address all those root causes that are sometimes, by the way, root causes can be something like food intolerance. A lot of people struggle with gluten or dairy intolerance or others. When they continue eating those foods they are intolerant to without knowing it, eventually goes back to inflammation, goes up and it messes up our digestive system. And you talked earlier about having the link of your brain to your female organs. I also believe or it's obviously proven there's a gut-brain axis that is also very important. So there's so much bi-directional, multi-directional stuff going on, actually. It's really interesting and fascinating. Then the fourth step, we spoke already about habits. I really love keeping my clients accountable. So I believe to implement healthy habits, accountability is really key. And then the fifth step, and that's probably the most fascinating and the most important to really allow people to have a permanent transformation is to rewire the mindset. Very often, we talked a bit earlier about we have self-sabotage, we have maybe some limiting beliefs that we are not worthy or whatever. A lot of my clients say, oh, in my family, everybody is fat, or my mom always told me that I always will be fat, or things like that. When we believe that, or when we learned that somewhere a long time ago, we continue believing we will not lose that weight. 
Yeah. Yeah. I really love that. I mean, that whole of becoming more aware of where you are, working to reset and repair yourselves, and inflammation is huge. I read a very interesting book by a psychiatrist about inflammation in the body and how he has linked that to depression with his clients and how rejected his views were in the traditional medical world that you know he showed that elements of inflammation the inflammation in the body inflamed the brain and of course as you said this multi-dimensional pathway going on and then really i love how we can become accountable and then rewire our mindset it's a beautiful flow there andrea from mm. the root cause to being different tell me a little bit more about accountability so that is a word that gets used a lot in say business circles how does that work with respect to the way we eat back probably the best is to willpower often we struggle with that so we set ourselves up and um, say okay fine i'm gonna scrub the chocolate or the sugar or whatever and i'm gonna eat something healthy but then we come home and maybe have a stressful day and maybe our boss calls and something happens or whatever it is and this whole idea of eating healthy is gone so what i believe is really important and with everything i believe it always needs to work together right like my five steps they really work and years and years of seeing my clients lose between 20 to 50 pounds when they work with me is really that this needs to work together. Just one approach, I personally believe it's just not working. So the same is with accountability and you know, implementing new habits is it has to start with a very clear goal, right? The goal being and now is, by the way, a very good moment. I just did with my group coaching program, we set goals for the year. So making, for example, a smart goal. So being very specific about what kind of goal it is and then plan it out and plan out what is really, what are the steps or the habit or whatever it is for me to achieve that goal. Now, it's really important there to write it down and ideally to share it with somebody. They have done some studies and it's, I think when you write it down, it increases the likelihood to become reality by somewhere 75%. But if you share it with somebody, it's somewhere around 92 or 93% that it's likely to happen. So that's why accountability is so much an important factor in making it happen. But we need first to set the goal, plan it, write it down, share it with somebody, and then of course have that person ideally hold us accountable. And what better thing to do is work than work with a coach, right? Somebody like me, like you, who helps to stay on track and obviously improve it. And then, of course, important, I said it earlier already, is start small and then build up. Yeah, start small, build up and help each other to stay accountable. That is, that's it really good. I know that people who say the same about exercise and if you have a training partner or a running partner, then you tend to be more motivated because the other person is, is saying to you, come on, let's do this together. And I, and yes, a coach to help you get straight with eating. And then maybe you have to do it in your family. And I think talking to women, it's often hard, isn't it? Because we may have a partner or children who are not on the same eating journey as we are. So how do people address that when, when I have that here too, my husband would eat any rubbish going, oh, man. And then there's often that sort of 
dissonance between within households. How do you help your clients overcome that? Yeah, I get that. I work a lot with women who have families who are married and usually or often have kids. So it's a good one. It's not an easy one. But look, ideally, we want, of course, to get our partners and families on the same page. And it's quite fun because I see often that the, then I hear from my clients that their husbands lost whatever. I just had one client. She said her husband lost 30 pounds and he was initially not at all on board. I had even two or three clients who were actually upset because their husbands lost more weight than they lost. They, they still did lose weight, but they were almost upset that this was even easier for the husbands than for themselves. I think there was the mindset a little bit in play, but a good idea is, of course, to discuss it with your family and make it really a decision together and make them understand the importance for everybody. Maybe share some material, some research material, also why it's important for them there, but also just make it a clear boundary saying uh, if they're not on board or making it clear to them how important it is for you, saying, look, I have these issues and it's really important for me that you support me and not eat the whatever, the cookies in front of me or set boundaries around saying, okay, we have different food sections. I have one client, she has, for example, a food lock or a cupboard that you can lock with a padlock where all the cookies are going or the unhealthy food, maybe a section in your fridge or whatever it is, where it's clearly that it's not your section. And if your family wants to have that, they can continue having their own food there or whatever it is. But something like this, it is sometimes a little bit difficult, but it starts all with a 100% decision. And I like that to see always, because in the end, if you have a 100% commitment to making this your journey and you're living your journey, your mindful journey and making it about you as if you are that person already. So often saying, I am acting as my future self, as that healthy person, as that person who's mindful about her health, her way of eating, whatever. Take a 100% decision, write it down, you know, what you're going to eat and what you're not going to eat. Do a meal plan for yourself, meal prep in advance, the healthy food, have always something healthy there. These are all little tricks that you can implement and that help you to stay on track. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it's always back to small changes in habits that really, re, as you said, we're rewiring the brain to think differently, we start to behave differently, and then that becomes norm and becomes unconscious. We, Like you said, it becomes like brushing teeth rather than just, I have to all the time think about every step. Eventually that becomes your normality, doesn't it? Absolutely. Yeah. But let me ask you about finally rewiring mindset, because we talked a little bit about that. Are there any particular tips or, or tricks to really getting your mindset on track around that? Oh, how much time do you have? There are so <laughs> many. I have a toolbox. Yeah. I use tool, my toolbox with my clients and I have so many things because it depends, of course, where we are at, right? Is it more the kind of negative mindset person? Is it more somebody who had maybe trauma in their childhood or so, limiting beliefs? There are so many different areas or so. But maybe to start with, what I would say is very often we tell ourselves negative 
lies, right? Or negative beliefs, and they're not the truth. Something like, oh, we are, I'm never able to lose that weight, or I'm going to fail that diet, or I'm uh, never going to be able to stay off whatever sugar or whatever it is. And if we have this negative mindset, we're going to for sure continue living that way. I can almost guarantee that. A lot of my clients come to me and say, oh, I'm never going to lose that weight. And I help them obviously to overcome this limiting belief because they have been thinking that way forever. And that's why they struggled or they might have lost weight, but quickly they had to put it on because otherwise they're not in their mindset and subconscious, obviously. So by starting to change the narrative in our head, is probably the best way to start. So instead of saying, I'm never going to lose that weight, just start saying, I lose this weight. I can lose that weight. I am able to lose that weight. I'm worthy of losing that weight. Or I'm a good person. I'm a happy person. I'm a healthy person. Or whatever it is right in your own words. But start whenever you find yourself using negative language, Turn that around in a positive language and eventually your mind will catch up with that reality and will eventually be able to say, yes, I do that. And that is really one little trick that you can practice. And remember, you're going to practice it and you need to practice it. It's a little bit when you want to build your muscles. You're not going to be a bodybuilder from day one. You need to go and train your muscles every day and It will work and then you might have a little bit of setback or something like that. So continue doing that and continue having this positive self-talk with yourself. And that's really helpful as a first step. Yeah, I like that. It reminds me of uh, the sort of sense of small steps to big change. Mm, True. Very much. Um, Where can people find out more about the work you do, Andrea? So um, a little bit all over on social media. They definitely can find me on Facebook, on Instagram, Pinterest, and so on. My handle on um, Instagram is Wellness Method. I'm sure you share that in the notes as well. And you also have on Facebook, Instagram, and so on. I have a website that is called wellnessmethods.com. And I also, by the way, if people want to contact me directly, I would love, if that's okay with you, offer your listeners uh, a spot. I have a free consultation. It's called a food freedom consultation, helping my clients or helping people, sorry, to get, to get clear on what maybe they're struggling with and to get to food freedom or whatever issues there are. So I'm very happy to give that. And I also have a little freebie for you guys. If can I share that? Great. Of course. Please do. <laughs> so that's because that's also, we talked a little bit about how to start with cravings, overcoming cravings and mind, mindset and so on. And I know, Clarissa, that you are very big, big about mindful mindfulness. And I know even your book is about the mindful menopause, which I really love, by the way. And speaking about that, I have definitely in my little freebie that I would like to offer the listeners, put together something that is about 
quitting sugar cravings, right? Some simple first tips on how to quit sugar cravings. If you would like that, the link will, I'm sure you can share that also in um, the session notes so people can actually get the hand on my little ebook to help them to overcome sugar cravings and get started with that. Definitely. And I think there will be a lot of listeners who will be going, oh, to have some tips uh, for quitting sugar would be huge. It's probably the number one thing that everybody knows they need to quit, but find very hard to do. Very true. I see that with almost everybody who comes along my side. They know they should be, but they're struggling with. And that's why I put a couple of resources and also in my, in the consultation I offer, I really offer like the personalized five steps we discussed, but I really help people to, you know, adapt that to their life and really get clear on um, allowing them to get started and have an action plan that they can use for this year and beyond. Yeah. And if you were to leave the listeners with one message or one tip, what would that be, Andrea? Hmm. I would say you are wor worth it to achieve your goals. You are worth it to overcome maybe issues around menopause, to lose weight, to be happy, to be healthy, whatever, wherever you are worth it and you are able to do. You might have struggled in the past. But there is always the right way that works for you. Maybe the diets you have done didn't work and it's not your fault. You're worth to get there. Oh, that is fantastic. And I'm so glad you, we met and you came on and shared a small snippet of your method and your experience. And we're putting all of that in the show notes so people can connect, can get the freebies can connect and have a free consult with you. Andrea, thank you so much for the wisdom and for your passion that you shared with my listeners today. Clarissa, that was such a wonderful interview. Thank you for letting me be on your Thriving Through Menopause podcast. And thank you to all the listeners for being there. I'm there. If you have any questions, please do reach out to me or to Clarissa. I'm sure she will pass it on. Definitely, I'm there. I have set myself this year to really big goals to help people to overcome their issues, especially women in menopausal stage or perimenopausal. That's wonderful. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to Thriving Through Menopause. If you like this podcast episode, please hop over to my website, thrivethroughmenopause.com and rate and review it. And thank you if you do that because it helps others to find the show. Want more news and views on perimenopause and menopause? Then sign up to my weekly newsletter, Heart of Menopause, over on Substack. Thank you once again for listening. And see you next week for another guest interview helping you to thrive through menopause.